Broadcasting live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Top Docs Radio. Brought to you by Women's Telehealth, whose mission is to bring scarce, high-risk maternal fetal medicine services to patients and referring obstetricians in their own community, urban or rural. Visit womenstelehealth.com for more information. Now, here are your hosts, Tanya Mack and C.W. Hall. Hey, what's up, everyone? It is CW. Thank you for checking out the Top Docs radio show. I'm pleased to announce the return of Tanya Mack to the Business Radio X family. She's joining me on the Top Docs radio show, going to be here every first and third Tuesday. And we started that series with her this week, catching up with Baha Zidane, the CEO and co-founder of a company called Azalea Health, one of the early entrants into the EMR market. And they also have built into their electronic medical record components that will handle telehealth, which is an important topic for Tanya and the company that she is with, Women's Telehealth, who is a virtual high-risk maternal fetal specialist group that provides their services to hospitals and practices in need, regardless of where they are located, using telehealth technology that that particular organization has in place. And the nice thing is, is when it's an Azalea Health client, the information is able to flow right into the EMR for the, for the patient and facilitate a better patient-centered medical home and collaboration among the variety of specialists that would need to have access to that particular patient's information. So without further ado, we'll catch up with Tanya sitting down with Baha Zidane. Check it out. Today, our topic is going to be healthcare technology and specifically electronic medical records and how we're making progress on the healthcare IT front. Healthcare IT is actually revolutionizing how things are changing in healthcare with both patients' health and wellness outcomes. Providers and patients who are resistant to it may be left behind. So we pulled in today one of our uh, experts who happens to be housed here in Atlanta with one of the top uh, electronic medical record companies. I've had the pleasure of knowing him for several years. I'd like to welcome our guest today, Baha Zidane. Thank you, Tanya. I appreciate it. Yeah, Baha is co-founder and CEO of Azalea Health, which he founded since 2008. He has his bachelor's degree in computer science from Valdosta State University, which I visited, and it's actually lovely down there. Nice. He's actually been a leading force in Georgia and nationally behind the adoption of healthcare IT way back, actually, before meaningful use, mm. right when the standards were being yep. developed instead of we were forced to, to implementation. Definitely. He's also received many awards. He's been awarded the Phoenix Award, uh, which is for the Emerging Company of the Year at the HIT Summit here in Atlanta by the Metro Atlanta Chamber of Commerce and the Bioscience Division. He's active in numerous academic and regional groups such as Vistage CEO and TAG or the Technology Association here in Georgia. So welcome. Thank you, Tanya. I really appreciate it. Yeah, very good. Well, let's dive right in. I would like our listeners to know a little bit about how you came to start Azalea Health. It's not every day that somebody gets their degree and decides to specialize and start a company in it. And a sure. little bit about your company. Yes, uh, definitely. So uh, right after uh, graduating with a computer science uh, degree from Balasa State University, I worked for a medical laboratory company uh, called Doctor's Laboratory. And that's where I was exposed to health IT. Uh, <clears throat> I met two of my uh, other co-founders, Dan Henry and Douglas Swords, uh, uh, where we launched the company. But while we were at the Doctor's Laboratory, uh, we saw the need for 
digitalization and automation in the healthcare industry. We saw that it's lacking uh, behind fintech or for mm-hmm. the financial Traditionally, industry. Traditionally, I think traditional. healthcare lags behind technology. Absolutely. And uh, actually in 2000 and 2001, most uh, health IT or mil- most health uh, healthcare provider uh, institutions, uh, they were allocating very little for to their budgets and in, in te- for technology and that kind of hurt the industry back in the day it, and now after meaningful use it kind of sparked um, mm-hmm. the industry to put more emphasis on technology and increase the budget yeah not medical because they've always spent money on equipment like right. medical equipment, equipment for provision definitely. of care but not and necessarily providers. managing the data yeah managing the data was behind mm-hmm. So we launched Azalea Health. We're a health IT company, and we focused on, on basically the reimbursement and and running the physician office and improving the workflow of the physician office. Mm-hmm. So we developed electronic health record. Uh, we developed medical billing software. We focused with the services to allow the physicians to focus on providing healthcare, but letting a trusted uh, partner like Azalea Health to focus on the medical billing component on the revenue cycle management side, which is really difficult uh, for physicians to to take care of in on a day to day basis. From that, we started also with the revolution of uh, of the meaningful use and uh, the government implementing incentive programs to push physicians toward electronic health records. We also added additional uh, uh, features and applications. Uh, so we focused on the patient side. Uh, we see that the patient need to learn and, and a better educated patient about their condition and more engaged patient, um, it's most likely to get healthier quicker. And we built tools for the patient side from mobile tools as well as um, as uh, web portals to allow them to... Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit yeah, about the evolution. Definitely. I think definitely. at the beginning, people tend to think of uh, electronic medical records as either a doctor's office or hospital as a user. And uh, what's happened since you've started your company as patients, we go to the portals to actually get our lab results, talk to our physicians, um, schedule our appointments, pay our bills. It's kind of the the game has totally changed. And, uh, you know, it's it's so nice to see that uh, evolution that happened in just in 10 years where physicians used to resist to share that information directly with the patient. They wanted a, a visit and explain it face to face. And now it's on the contrary. Uh, a patient wouldn't allow a physician to hold their data and not have it available for them on the web and on their mobile device. Mm-hmm. So what are you seeing? You've seen this whole evolution. Your product is changing. Um, where do you see kind of where you are now? You've talked about portals have sure. come about since you started. You're, you alluded to the fact of mobile health or M-Health. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, uh, what we're seeing, one, is uh, engage- engagement with a patient in, in more real time is happening, and there's a lot more focus toward that. So we're seeing a big uh, push for telehealth, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. you're in the right industry as mm-hmm. well. Women's telehealth has been leading in that side. Mm-hmm. And actually, uh, one of the attractive uh, things about women's telehealth, they, you know, it's how we learned as Azalea mm-hmm. Health about telehealth and the mm-hmm. telehealth need. Finally, we're seeing more push for telehealth and we're seeing the physician of the future are physicians who are utilizing telehealth as well as face-to-face visits. And uh, we want to be able to provide the technology to allow the patients to engage with their physicians. Mm-hmm. Using so telehealth. how are you finding like, a, I know there's early adopters True. and there's people you reach critical mass and then there's the people that are the prove it to me at the very end. At but the- when we talk about patient portal use, 
Mm-hmm. Are you seeing that we've reached critical mass, maybe, that people mm-hmm. are getting comfortable or we're still on the upswing? So we reached a critical max when it comes to availability of the data mm-hmm. and availability for physicians to provide that data. Uh, I believe less than 10% of patients actually engage with their so medical records. So we have a ways to go. But on the good side, about 97% of hospitals and almost 90% of providers have those systems in place. Mm-hmm. And some of them better than others, of course, but the, 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 the mainstream availability of those is there from the physician and the provider side, but not yet from the patient side. So mm-hmm. we'll see that happening in the next mm-hmm. few years. So we still have to get a little bit more adoption kind of Definitely. going. Very good. So meaningful use. Let's talk a little bit about this. Sure. When we started, you were just learning. They were actually creating the standards, the standard. I think, at the time. Yes. And now we're kind of, I think, think at stage three Definitely. already. So mm-hmm. how, what's your perspective on how how providers are using it, how effective the government's been in sure. implementing it, and are we really... Are we really saving time for doctors and are we really getting to where the intention was, I think, when we started? Well, it's a double edged sword. Um, You know, we we grew up uh, as a company, as Alia Health, in the meaningful use era. We started the company before meaningful use. And as soon as uh, we kind of start getting our first customers, the government came up with this meaningful use. So as a matter of fact, I'll give you a little quick story. When we developed uh, meaningful use, we went uh, as engineers and looked at the standards and we built it and we put it in the first hands of the first physician and he was like what is this this is not medicine mm-hmm. <laughs> and because it was actually written by lawyers and engineers mm-hmm. rather than physicians however it has a huge advantage it really advanced the technology when it, adoption in the healthcare industry it helped provide a, a roadmap for where we need to be as a nation. Uh, the first stage was basic stage, basically mm-hmm. to capture get demographic, one. Get, 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 one. A get a system, get an electronic health record system. The second stage was a little tougher. Uh, <clears throat> it wanted more structured data, more reporting, more uh, clinical quality measures that we want to measure the patients and the physician on and so forth. So we, we had a and the third stage, which uh, is actually the most logical one, and it you know it needed the first and the second stage to get to, which is interoperability, being able to exchange data across systems, across healthcare uh, systems and, and providers, and share that data securely. Um, and this traditionally in the healthcare been a big hurdle. A lot of systems, when you talk about interfacing, mm-hmm. and I'm sure in, in your uh, clinic you've had uh, you, you know the pleasure of discussing that, it's always a, a big challenge for health systems to integrate and share data. And actually, I've always uh, used that uh, example that you could send a million dollar across overseas a lot easier and simpler than sending your lab result from mm-hmm. one hospital to the other. And they, those two hospitals could be across the street mm-hmm. from each other. That third push is, is going to be uh, uh, the nice one or the final push. And that mm-hmm. will... So how do you think we're doing with interoperability? So like health information exchanges were a sure. big pie in the sky two or three years ago. Some places are connected. Some states are not connected. So how do you think we're doing? Like, What score would you give us on a scale of one to 10? Five, maybe. You know, uh, I would say, uh, of course, there's a lot of challenges around how you will support those long term when it comes to exchanges. Uh, Where is the business model? Who's going to pay for Mm -hmm. exchanging that data? Uh, But also, you know, a a lot of traditional uh, software companies, they've generated a lot of revenue from 
interfacing mm-hmm. so they they are not inten- incentivized to share data easily mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of providers also uh, are uh, when it comes to culturally they're closed they don't want to share data with the, with their with their competitors it seems the, like there's a proprietary line yes, yeah, yes, and lots of different fronts there so there there's a lot of different fronts and a lot of challenges when it comes to sharing data and health information exchanges uh, but we we're, we're it's moving that direction mm-hmm. uh, actually Georgia have um, a few exchanges that are um, doing well or uh, doing great. Um, the option level is not there yet, but we, we are seeing more and more. And I believe with stage three, it's going to facilitate additional adoption when it comes to health information Yeah, so exchange. I think when we get a little further down the road and we lose some of the duplication, we, yes, we get indeed. some data, we could actually drive some outcomes or decision-making Absolutely. with that's kind of the end goal, I guess, we guess. Definitely. We have. I want to talk a little bit about just the technology platforms that you use. I think sure. there's been quite of evolution in the platforms itself. I know my very first electronic medical record was a client-server model and uh, we had, I think, 60 physicians in seven locations, and we never aspired to be our own IT company. And over time, now, today, um, Women's Telehealth actually uses your platform, Azalea, because it's so flexible, but it's mostly cloud computing. It is. And the cloud computing gives us the flexibility for providers, users, patients uh, to utilize the system from any browser uh, and utilize also mobile apps. Uh, we have two mobile apps for Android and uh, iPhone, and it makes it so much easier to connect to the cloud be able to interact with the application. Uh, So accessibility is a huge thing, but also um, when it comes to the cloud, the level of security that we provide around around our data and our uh, uh, servers, it's a a normal physician, one or two two physician offices in rural Georgia or rural Mississippi cannot offer that level of security and the level of monitoring that we can provide as a company with our partners. Uh, so we, we take security very seriously. And at the same time, it's all about accessibility. We want to have the provider and the patient and the right patient and the right provider to access the right information. So uh, the cloud can offer uh, an easy platform for mm-hmm. doing that. And on the devices themselves, uh, sure. is the application, are, are you creating them for like smartphones? Because sure. I know in my business, in telehealth, we are making switches from satellite transmission to T1 to fiber to now cellular. Absolutely. Um, but how it looks on your desktop is not necessarily how the application will look on a yeah. smartphone. And more patients are actually accessing care from their smartphones. Correct. Uh, actually, uh, mobile development forces uh, software providers to focus on what's important Mm -hmm. rather than the clutter. Uh, So a lot of the settings, a lot of like if you want to get additional reporting, that's you go to the desktop or the the, the browser and and get a lot of that information. However, when you want to look at your appointment for the day, Mm -hmm. you want to look at your lab results or you want to transfer your vital signs to your provider, that's where a mobile app can be very helpful to you. Same thing with a physician. We we have some tools for the physicians to allow them to capture uh, payments and capture visits when they go to the hospitals. So a mobile app, 
forces providers, um, uh, software providers to focus on what's important for mm-hmm. that pro- for that patient and that user uh, mm-hmm. uh, or the provider, mm-hmm. uh, and not give them t- way too many features mm-hmm. that's unnecessary. Yeah, I know that's one of the big trends in my business is moving from a desktop to a um, laptop. Yes, Absolutely. to an iPad to and my phone. Is, you know, uh, when we talk about mobility and and things like wearables. Uh, play a huge yes. role in, in that. And we're excited. We, we're, we connected uh, with Apple HealthKit so the watch activities can be transmitted to the physician. Same thing with Fitbit. Uh, the data that comes out of uh, a Fitbit can come to the Azalea EHR user uh, or provider so they can see the and monitor the social behavior of a patient. Sometimes it's a lot of data. Sometimes, uh, you know, it's necessary, but that's what the technology and that's what uh, the future is providing. Uh, right. So it's kind of that double-edged sword. It's all the cool things, but it's all the challenges that come with implementing with new technologies. <laughs> Definitely. Let's talk about some of the challenges or barriers facing your industry today. Kind of what are you working with? And Yeah. Uh, one, you know, let's think about the re- regulatory side. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see sometimes in the regulatory side that CMS, uh, the government, want to lower the cost of healthcare. Uh, so CMS and and and, uh, and Medicare pr- implementing, um, for example, new payment models. However, CMS systems themselves can't support those new payment models. So earlier this month, for example, if you were a rural health clinic, uh, which where Azalea focuses mm-hmm. on rural, in the rural market, uh, there were some held up payments because of new changes in payment models that Medicare itself couldn't support. So the regulatory side, sometimes this is challenging. From the telehealth side, for example, we see some regulatory challenges where actually the payment models are not catching up with the need for the healthcare. The patients want to use telehealth as a mean mm-hmm. to access healthcare and as a mean to, and providers want to use telehealth to to allow their patients to access them uh, more easy uh, or easier. We're still seeing payment issues when it, when it comes to telehealth. Georgia luckily have, um, have been in the one leading. Of the for, the, leader, uh, yeah. One of the nation's Absolutely. Probably the top five in terms top, of how far definitely, we are. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, I think we started in that in 2008. Mm-hmm. So we, we're ahead of the game. But nationwide, we're still having struggle mm-hmm. in that side. So we, we see some of those. And of course, behavior, uh, you know, physicians, patient behavior, patient being able to use the data and being able to engage data. Uh, so we see adoption issues. We talked uh, earlier about maybe 10% of patients uh, are engaged or less than 10%. It's it's Mm -hmm. actually some statistics say close to 2% Mm -hmm. of patients are engaged with their medical records online. So uh, we're going to see some shift in behavior over time. And Mm -hmm. some of those challenges uh, will will cross those challenges when when it comes to um, those issues with more education and more adoption. So I think about your platform having to constantly evolve. One of the buzzwords in the past, I know for us, and I think almost every provider in the past six months has been ICD-10. Absolutely. And of course, we had years of preparation for that. And you as an EMR provider um, certainly had to adapt your product. So um, whether it's ICD-10 or the next Meaningful Use 4 or whatever, how, how do you see ahead? How do you tailor your product to kind of keep up in the market? Education. We educate ourselves a lot. We listen to our customers. We listen to the industry. There's a lot of uh, uh, things that yeah, we, we stay in tune with mm-hmm. to make sure 
that we're helping our customers. It's, uh, it's as you know, it's daunting amount of information that comes out of the regulatory side. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of information comes out of, of around changing payment models. Uh, uh, physicians and reimbursement issues are, is, is a big, big challenge. So we as a vendor, we chose to focus on education, focus on learning and constantly evolving. So for example, our development, uh, our development, we no longer uh, wait months to issue a, a new version. Actually, on the contrary, we have daily standups. We're a scrum driven development shop. So we, um, we have uh, constant updates, uh, monthly releases that comes out uh, on our, for, uh, to our, all of our users. Sometimes some of those we react to immediately. Uh, there's some changes that comes up and we have to react to it and push uh, additional updates within weeks rather than months and years. Right. So, and then uh, you have to adjust them after agility. we work with them. Absolutely. After we live with them absolutely. a little bit, we find out that didn't quite work how we thought. So we got to go back to the drawing board again. Definitely. I got that. So there's so many EMR systems today. I know you have a lot of competition in the field. It is. Um, how many? I don't Hundreds probably of EMR Hundreds provided. Hundreds is a good word. <laughs> so how do you differentiate yourself at Azalea? Well, number one is our focus. Uh, from day one, Azalea Health focused on the rural market, and we focused on reimbursement for the rural market and helping physicians capture all the revenue that he he or she can capture in a daily basis. And with that, our customers gave us that trust. So we are trusted uh, advisor for them in the rural market. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we niched ourselves. Uh, the second thing is our knowledge. We, we discussed uh, there's a lot of shift in this industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a company, we focused on listening to our customers, listening to the regulatory side of our business, listening to the industry experts and constantly evolve. And of course, as any software company, you have to be focused on customer service and support and provide an easy solution for them to utilize. So, uh, and we constantly evolve within that side. It's number one for us to mm-hmm. to provide a, an excellent customer service. So I know when you're a tech company, kind of the brick and mortar falls away because we can work at a distance sure. with almost everything. But t- talk to us a little bit about your geographic. Are you nationwide? Are you regional? We are nationwide. Uh, we are nationwide uh, with our customer base. Uh, we have an office in Valdosta, Georgia, where we started, and we have about 55 employees. Uh, we have also a small office in Macon, Georgia, and uh, our uh, sales marketing, and I reside in Atlanta, and we have an office with about uh, close to 30 employees in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So, um, But however, our customers are nationwide, and we have few international customers, but our focus still uh, in the U.S. and specifically on the rural market. Since you are a nationwide company, do you see pockets of adoption? Like traditionally, I think you're housed here in the Southeast, but I've worked all over the country and I kind of think the Southeast usually is a little more maybe conservative. Sure. So no, we, see? yes, we do. We, we see some uh, areas that there are, uh, there's more adoption than others. Uh, I was surprised the other day I was uh, looking at New York state. Uh, it's a little bit behind. You would think New York state will be, be ahead, mm-hmm. but they're, they're one of the laggards. I think uh, about close to 50% of providers in, in, in New York uh, state utilizing electronic health record versus other states like Georgia, we're in the 80s. Um, mm-hmm. So yes, we do We do see those pockets and uh, 
And it's interesting to see, you know, across the country. Yeah, I know we and women's on the women's telehealth side, we only have one customer still on paper. No surprise. It's a government client. <laughs> it's, <laughs> so it, it's ironic that the government tells us meaningful it, use. Let's use it. But it, you know, it's, they're it's, the last to adopt you, sometimes we, their we, own standards. Yeah, you know, we uh, we go to a lot of health clinics. And uh, unfortunately, sometimes the government uh, backed health clinics are the ones who, which are behind in technology. Right. And uh, but hey, um, you know, we'll get that. We're getting we'll get there. there. We're getting there. Okay. Well, I want to talk just a few minutes. I know our two companies have the advantage of working together, so we know each other very well. Yeah. In the last six months or so, um, your application has rolled out a new telehealth application inside of an EMR. Yes. And I want to tell a little story about how I first met you. Um, when women's telehealth started, um, we had already been on an EMR for probably seven or eight years prior to this company development in our other life or our other business. And we spent one year looking for a telemedicine-friendly electronic medical record. So we went to Hims, the mother of all, all HIT, yes. worldwide. We stood at the vendor booth after vendor booth, of which you know how big that floor is down there, asking to speak with any applications person who had a telehealth module inside of the EMR, or at least a piece of it. And we walked away for a couple of years with no result. But through a mutual friend that was in the telemedicine business, we got pointed to your product, which is very Definitely. flexible, fluid, and fast from our standpoint. Um, and we were introduced to each other. So you embedding the telehealth application, if you would. Can you just start from the beginning and tell sure. us how it's going, what it can and cannot do, and yeah. kind of give an audience a sense of what you're creating over there? Well, uh, I remember when Georgia actually uh, had the Georgia Insurance Commissioner allowed or forced uh, insurance payers to pay for telehealth. Oxen died, I think, yeah. in 2008. Mm -hmm. right. I, I was there, and I was always been fascinated with telehealth. Um and we've always saw ourselves that we want to be a leader when it comes to the systems for telehealth. However, with meaningful use, it kind of shifted our focus to make sure you have that to our be compliant compliance and, mm -hmm. and, and focused on the compliance side. Uh, however, once we've done that, we said, okay, now let's look at the industry. Let's, let's see what would make most sense. And we thought we don't want in the industry to see another point solution that is separate from the electronic health record. And that's what we see most, most telehealth solutions are a just point solution rather than a full solution where our telehealth is integrated within the scheduler. So a physician can schedule a face-to-face -face appointment or a telehealth appointment. It's integrated within the charting and, and, um, and also it goes all the way to the mobile app and the patient uh, side as well as the financial side for capturing payments. Uh, and we saw it as a full part of the ecosystem rather than a point outside of the ecosystem. And that's where we built and that's where we uh, are excited to introduce to our customers. And of course, clients like Women's Telehealth gave us the greatest feedback for us to be able to get over those hurdles and and, and do what we need, what the industry. Yeah, I know. For. If there's one thing that drives providers crazy, it's too many clicks and too much toggling between your applications Definitely. at the bottom of your toolbar. I'm you in and out that. of what, 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 what. So everything <laughs> that is inside of one, one integrated product, 
Um, both on the practice management side and the EMR and now having telehealth in it. Um, We're excited to work with you and, and your team yeah. as well. Uh, there's yeah, a lot now, well, we, I know we've already been doing some beta yep. testing for you, both mm -hmm. for home monitoring patients that are pregnant for the first time. And we're getting ready to roll out a national genetic counseling program that is excellent. using your application. Um, questions we're getting, can, do, can you record Yes, we is recently got re re released, so you can speak to a patient, and it's, of course the impact of consulting with a patient over a web presence over a video web right. presence is so much more <laughs> impactful than just a phone call to talk mm -hmm. to them about their lab result. Mm -hmm. uh, it, you'll see their engagement, you'll see their uh, facial impressions, and 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 it gives a lot more. Um, you just transmit a lot more information through a video rather than just a, uh, an audio. So that's one. But also one of the features that we added is the collab, allowing multiple providers to collaborate on a case. Uh, basically being able to send a link to another provider or another caregiver or another entity to share that data, that video session with the patient to collaboratively work on a, on that case or work on that. Uh, yeah, we're just testing this with you. I know as an example, a clinical example, a couple of years ago, we had a bridge with Children's Hospital mm -hmm. where if we had a high-risk pregnant mom in South Georgia that we were seeing for her ultrasound and her visit, we could actually build a three, had a three-way bridge with children so we could all talk together. talk together. But now it is really seamless inside of an EMR. There's no bridges. It's as easy breezy as sending an email Amen. link, click on the link and up you come. Um, so that's Wonderful. been a, a big improvement, whether having to lay tracks and get agreements signed and just to kind of port somebody in. And that's what technology yeah. provides. Uh, yeah, it really makes it uh, so much accessibility for the patients, that's for sure. Well, I'd like to move on a little bit. And um, I know that everyone loves a good story sure. and electronic medical records can revolutionize or break hospitals, practices, and confuse patients as well. So can you think of a few good stories for our yeah. listeners that where you've really been able to make a great impact besides women's telehealth? Well, definitely. Uh, thank you. This is a great question because uh, we based ourselves in rural Georgia. So one of the first great story for Azalea started by being the first health IT and the first software company in Valdosta. So we brought in a lot of visibility to the Valdosta State University. We have a yearly hackathon with Valdosta State University. And it's a, and we built in a small little town that has very little high-tech or close to non-high-tech jobs, about 55 jobs, and uh, we're constantly adding and constantly growing in that side. So it, I always I'm always proud of my team and how we were able to accomplish what we have accomplished right in, in Valasa, Georgia. But there is another issue in, in the rural market. We've all been hearing about the sad scenario of many rural hospitals not being able to keep their doors open. We're actually closing in my business, labor and delivery hospitals in Georgia. We have 40 counties that have no labor and delivery hospital. It is absolutely sad. Yeah. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate for those counties. It's unfortunate for the citizens. And it's for unfortunate for the employees because many of those hospitals are the focal point uh, and the, mayor, the main the primary, employer. Yeah. The primary employer in that city. Uh, we were actually working, we were able to work with few of those hospitals to empower and and help them with their ambulatory physician presence 
to support their hospital and keep their doors open. And that's an honor to be able to work with. We have about uh, 15 hospitals in rural Georgia that we work Were with. Were these critical access hospitals? Critical access 75 hospitals. 75 beds, 50, or 75 less, beds or and less. Typically 25 mm-hmm. to uh, 30 bed hospitals. And uh, being uh, helping them focus on their ambulatory physician office as a new source of revenue helped them a lot to keep their doors open. And we have many examples of those. Where, you know, I, I wouldn't want to mention their names, mm-hmm. but uh, it's always an honor to work with uh, those struggling hospitals that they are trying their best to keep their doors open uh, in an environment that requires a lot of high cost when it comes to technology, high cost when it comes to providing care. Medicaid, not specifically in Georgia, not being able to expand Medicaid, uh, it's a big issue for some of those hospitals. And being able to help them keep their doors open, mm-hmm. it's always a, I feel the a same way. Field. Just to put an exclamation point on your story, I know that nationally in my business, women's health and obstetrics, um, it sounds like we have plenty of labor and delivery units, but 70% of births in the United States are in a rural area. And uh, I know through using technology, some of our patients don't have gas money to go to the other side of the county, let alone travel to the big cities um, to get the care that they need, a specialty for subspecialties. But you're actually talking about primary care as well. Uh, Primary care as well. And, and, you know, uh, just to kind of add a statistic to that, there's uh, Willow... Well, over 25% of the U.S. population lives in rural areas, mm-hmm. yet less than 10% of providers are practicing in rural right. areas. Yeah, so there's a, a huge gap. And it's going to get worse. And, yeah, and worse. you know, initiatives that you're doing with Women's Telehealth, that's going to help bridge the gap. Yeah, I know also, um, just in the rural area as well, uh, when you have the experience of if you're really selling to a rural area, if you've been one, and you've yes. had to deal with what the resources are firsthand for it's yourself. Very scarce. You get a lot of credibility in knowing how to help out if you have the experience of it yourself. Definitely. And that's one of our strengths. Yeah. So where are you headed in the future? Well, we're going to continue to grow into the mobile side. Mm-hmm. Uh, have additional resources in on um, in the mobile side as well but also have more impactful tools when it comes to population health. Uh, Population health is a huge um, driver for technology because now we want to be able to manage population and, and, and be able to do uh, predictive information modeling. on modeling and monitor that that population. And of course, analytics is a huge uh, side of our business and we want to be able to be ahead of what the patient condition might get going to and, and be able to alert the provider, alert the patient ahead of time and, and provide the tools needed for that. So we're excited about population health, analytics. Those those are the fun things that we live for. Are uh, you actually looking at some of the gu- clinical guidelines being embedded? So abs- at the time that the doctor is actually doing the recording of the encounter, they have data Definitely. about what would be normal. Absolutely. And and also uh, alert the patient and the provider right. as things progress. Okay. Right. Uh, as we do, you know, one of the things that are, we're talking to a company out of uh, Germany that they provide um, a custom built watch that allows uh, the, the vital signs to come through to a provider or to a monitoring system or a monitoring sy- center. And that watch monitors heartbeat and uh, monitors falls. So for example, as the patient follow, we an alert will come to a 
caregiver that will be able to help that patient right away and not wait for hours and days. Uh, so we, we're uh, we're excited about those initiatives. We're and working along that same line. Constantly improving healthcare. Yeah. We're looking at uh, right now for women's telehealth, we have to be in front of an enabled telemedicine enabled site for the patient. Uh-huh. Um, but we one we've just completed with you a home monitoring where a pregnant patient actually can for home. reasons that had to be she had to be home. Your tool allowed her to be monitored at home for her regular pregnancy visits, and she only had to come in for specialty testing. So instead of 13 visits, she really had to make three or four. And and we were able to get all of her data right from where she was. So I think we'll all be seeing. And uh, spending in technology eventually going to have a huge impact on the bottom line for the healthcare. Uh, I think we're going to be able to lower cost of healthcare tremendously through technology. Right. Well, is there anything that we haven't covered today talking about your company or we, where you're headed or what you're challenged with that we need to We're excited. We have an excellent team. We're we're really fortunate to have client base that is uh, uh, always asking for innovative solutions and us being able to provide those innovative solutions. The industry is tough and we ask all of our customers to always focus when partnering with a partner that is well-educated, well-positioned when it comes to understanding the reimbursement models, understanding the shift in the reimbursement uh, models as well. And uh, we're excited about the future, the future of healthcare. We, we, it's it's in the early stage of a lot of shift and a lot of changes in the health IT. Uh, we're going to see a lot of consolidation in the health IT. There's only, so as you too. mentioned, uh, there, there's uh, hundreds of EMR companies and we want to be at the forefront front when it comes to consolidating companies and uh, and continuously grow as a company. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Well, you've Thank got a you. great future in front of you. Why don't you tell our listeners how they can reach you and your company? You can go online at, to azaleahealth.com, A-Z-A-L-E-A health.com. And a phone number? 877-777-7686. Very good. Thanks so much for being our guest today. And CW, thanks for running the board and getting us all, all here and together. And thanks for Women's Telehealth and the Medical Association of Atlanta for sponsoring us. Thank you. It's a treat to have you back on the air with me. And if you're coming back for the podcast, if you've not done so already, look in the upper left-hand corner of the Top Docs Radio Show page. You'll see the Apple logo there. That'll take you over to the iTunes store where the podcast lives. Make sure you subscribe to us. That way you can have each new episode downloaded straight to your device for the ride to work, walking the dog, whatever the case may be for you. And Tanya, can't wait to see you again in a couple of weeks. All right. So appreciate the opportunity. Thanks so much. We'll see you then. Have a great afternoon. 